If you're thinking about moving to Portland, Oregon, or just want to know what it's like to live there, this is the episode for you. This is the first episode, actually, of the show, Want to Move There, the show devoted to giving Central PA, Central PAans all the information they need to decide whether or not they want to move somewhere outside of the area. And today we're going to be talking about Portland, Oregon, like I said, with Jen Mabry, realtor in Portland, Oregon. But before that, I'm your host, Derek Bixler, realtor and uh, digital marketing geek right here in Central PA. I grew up on the hill in Harrisburg, went to Mechanicsburg High School, and went up to Penn College of Technology uh, for college, and ever since had a few sales jobs and been selling real estate ever since for the last 15 uh, years. If you need to buy or sell a home, please reach out to me, call me, text me, email me, throw a rock through my window, send a carrier pigeon, whatever you need to do. We really need inventory still. It's crazy out there for sellers, but not quite as crazy, and maybe uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit about uh, Jen's market, but it's it's died down slightly here, so for buyers, it's a good time to get out there and start looking again, but still awesome time for sellers. Uh, so if you need to buy or sell, please reach out to me. And uh, whether you're watching live or on the replay, please uh, put a question in the comments. Or if you know myself, uh, Jen, I know there's a lot of clubhouse people maybe watching this. Um, so comment and tell us where you're watching from. And um, if you're watching from Central PA, tell me where you're watching from in Central PA, Mechanicsburg, Harrisburg, uh, Lancaster, York, wherever you're watching from, let us know. And if you have a question, if we don't see it while we're going, which can happen, especially since I'm working with a new camera, a new mic, a new light, a new setup, a new show, everything. So it's a little bit crazy. But uh, if we see your question in comments while we're going, uh, I'll bring it to our attention, probably Jen's attention, because it'll probably be a question about Portland. Um, and we answer but if we don't see it during the episode we'll come back and address it after the episode and a reminder that all the replays are on youtube instagram linkedin uh uploaded to uh or and stay on facebook and they're going to be on itunes and spotify audio format as well so you can check them out there after the episode um and without further ado i'm going to bring in jen mabry realtor in portland oregon like you can see um hello jen thanks for being with us I thank you so much for being here on the or for letting me be here on the inaugural show. I can't believe it. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to have you. And one of my favorite uh, TV shows is Portlandia. I don't know if you've watched that. Yes, and people here don't love it, but they don't love it only because it's so true. I mean, we just have to laugh at ourselves, and it's very true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love Fred Armisen, whatever he does, but yes. uh, that show is particularly funny. So it is, and we'll we'll touch on that maybe a little bit. Is it actually like that? But we'll we'll get to that part. So first, let's tell a little bit about your background. Did you grow up in Portland, or are you a transplant? Or tell us about that a little bit. Your your growing up and your background. So actually, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area in Marin County. Uh, I went to school in Arizona, so I was in uh, Scottsdale for about 10 years and then came to visit a friend of mine who'd moved up to Portland and had did not really know anything about it and kind of really fell in love with it. And honestly, the third time I came to visit, I was like, you know, I'm just going to go pack my stuff and come home. It really reminded me of the Bay Area where I grew up. Um, just the whole kind of funky, crunchy, you know, just you didn't have to have a big job to get by here. Um, and it was just a lot of like-minded forward-thinking people and it still generally is that way 
Yeah, I like the word crunchy. I almost put that in the description, I think. I think I messaged that to somebody, Susanna in Philly, who's also in Clubhouse. She's she's a Buddhist, and every time she talks, I think crunchy. And I think yeah. I actually typed that to somebody else today. So I like that, and I'm into that also. So the crunchiness yeah. appealed to you. Was there anything else that appealed to you that make you want to move there? Um, You know, I just... I really love the location of the city. You know, we're an hour and a half from the beach. We're an hour and 10 minutes from skiing. So a lot of my friends actually will hit the beach in the morning to surf and then actually do a night ski. So, and you can do that. It's a long day. I've never done it, but uh, it just, like I said, it reminded me a lot of the Bay Area where I grew up. So, um, and now of course, you know, San Francisco and Bay Area has changed tremendously. And Portland, we are seeing slight changes as we're having more people move in, but uh, still, still funky here. And so do you surf? What do you do for fun? I ski and I camp all the time. My, my summers are spent camping when I'm not working. Um, I have recently picked up roller skating since I hadn't done it since I was a kid. But there's a lot of uh, roller skating crews and uh, like we have the roller derby and it's just a lot of fun, you know, because we have so many parks in Portland. I, we have some of the biggest parks and some of the best parks in the country. I might be a little biased, but Portland do take their, their parks really seriously, whether it be I dog want- parks, kid parks, uh, playgrounds, uh, all of that. I was doing a little research and I actually saw that uh, you have the largest the largest park in the nation that's within city limits. Is that what it is? Yes, absolutely. It's called Forest Park. It's on the west side of the city. Uh, most people might have heard of Willamette River. So the Willamette River separates the city and Forest Park is on the other side of the Willamette on the west side. What's great about Forest Park is it's I don't even know how many acres of just hiking, bike trails, all that. But then they also have one of the world's largest rose test gardens where they grow roses and test them. There's the zoo there. Uh, they have an, a music amphitheater. So they have concerts in the summer. Um, there's a kid's playground. Just And that is all encompassed in Forest Park. It's a really great neighborhood. Yeah, that's awesome. And you mentioned skiing. So did you did you grow up skiing uh, when you did. were younger? I did in Tahoe. I grew up, I learned to ski in Tahoe. Um, so again, Good place to do it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, they're having some fire issues these days, unfortunately. But uh, I didn't, and again, I hadn't done it t- until I moved to Portland. So, so I had a lapse of like 15, maybe 20 years and just picked it up. You know, we have decent ski resorts. They're not like world-class, you know, where you would see other places in the world, but they're really nice small ones. And again, they're an hour away, you know? So the nice thing is you can wake up, have your coffee, chill out and say, Hey, let's go ski. They have night skiing too, which is wonderful. Um, So yeah, that's on Mount Hood. And I don't know if you are familiar with the movie, The Shining, so there's a big hotel up there. It's called the Timberline Lodge and parts of The Shining were filmed up there. It was, it's an amazing, huge hotel. It was actually built as part of the WPA program. So uh, back in what the thirties and forties. So the, you know, when the government was putting artists and workers to work through the WA, 
WPA program, they built Timberline Lodge. It's a beautiful old stone lodge. Huh. So you can go and stay in the shining lodge, or was it was it out exterior that was used or interior? Exterior, and I want to say like maybe the bar scene, um, and and the exterior, I believe. That's cool though, and I'm sure people take selfies in front of it and take shining and all that stuff. Yeah, Absolutely. totally. <laughs> So were there, there's a food scene. Did you like food before you moved there? Was that, was that one of the things? Cause I know I the crunchiness been, a lot is the food. I've always been a foodie, but you know, Portland's food scene hasn't always been as great as it is now. Um, over the past, I've been here for 20 years. For the past 10 years specifically, we've seen a huge resurgence between the food carts, a lot of uh, chefs from all over the world, all over the country are moving here. What's really nice about our food scene is we have a great variety of food. I mean, you can get Burmese food, you can get sushi, of course, you can get world-class pizza. One of our pizza shops is constantly named the top pizza in the world, a pizza shoals, I believe it's called. Um, you can get almost anything and it's really turning into a metropolitan city. Whereas, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it wasn't that necessarily. It was still a cool city and a beautiful city, but it's really becoming quite metropolitan. That's actually a great segue into our questions. And one of which is gonna be talking about kind of population and, and that kind of thing there, but we'll, we'll start. Um, well, first, actually, before we get into the, the list of questions that I have, um, you're a realtor and, and pretty much everybody I'm going to have on the show are realtors in their area. And I want to have them on because we're the best tour guides and we love our areas and we know everything about everything and we can get you a mover or a dog walker or you name it. We're, I don't know any other profession that refers more business out to more different things yeah. than a realtor. So we are the best tour guide. If you're going anywhere and you want to know about that place, you could literally just go on Zillow or, or whatever website, search, find a top realtor there, give them a call and they're going to know everything you need to know about that area. So um, how did you, where I was going with it was, how did you become a realtor? Have you been doing this that whole 20 years? Um, how did you get into um, this? When I moved up here, my degree is in education and art history and museum education. So uh, I had big plans to do that as life does. It just didn't feel right for me what I was doing. Um, and actually I, this was 20 years ago, I tried to buy a house. I actually tried to buy a house as a single female and it flopped horribly. My agent just, I felt like he wasn't taking me quite seriously. Um, and so Which I- Which is funny, sorry to cut you off. That's funny because right now I was looking up the statistics the other day uh, for a millennials podcast I was going on and I was the Gen Xer going against the millennials. Um, yeah. But the millennials, the younger people, the, the women, the females crush, as far as single people buying homes, the females are right now crushing males. It's like 60%, it might even be 65. Um, so I sort of, I lost my dream house for, $3,000 under bad advice from the agent. So I kind of gave up on it. Uh, I, once I started back up again, I found a terrific agent. She just, she was fabulous, helped me walk me through the whole process. And like I said, I sort of wanted to change from teaching. And I said, hey, you know, I feel like I would really enjoy doing this. I truly like helping people. I like teaching people through the process. And to me, it seemed like a really natural progression sort of 
when I look back now, I think I was just young enough to think that I could do it. Uh, so, and again, just stupid had, enough, crazy enough. We'll call it crazy. <laughs> exactly. I had a great mentor. She's still a terrific, great friend, mentor, uh, coworker of mine right now. And that was 18 years ago. I've been doing it ever since. The nice thing is wow. I, I live in the neighborhood that I primarily work. Portland's pretty small. Um, you know, you can get across town in used to be 15 minutes. Now it's a half an hour with traffic. Yeah, I think I saw the median commute time was like 26 minutes or something like that, which would probably be comparable to Harrisburg, although your population is way higher. I think you're at like, at least with whatever the census, I was looking at census.gov and it said uh, six, 660, I think in 2019, 660,000 people. And yeah. to compare to Harrisburg, everybody that's watching, we're at like 50,000 or something like that, 49,000. Lancaster's a little bit bigger at 59, about 60,000 or something. So it's a lot bigger, but actually we have more population per square mile. So you must be spread out a little bit more. We're at like 4,000 per square mile and you're at like 6,000 people per square mile or something like that. I don't typically know these facts, <laughs> by the way. I happen to do some research before this episode. So, all right, well, let's move on to the, the next question here. You've been a realtor for 18 years, so you're a great person for us to come to uh, and ask these questions of uh, whether we're moving there or taking a vacation or whatever. And um, as crunchy as it is, I'm definitely looking for a vacation. And there's mountainous and there's all kinds of stuff to do, and we'll get to the entertainment question. But let's start with what's the weather and climate like? Right now in central PA, we're sitting here with overcast which is uh, pretty much all of the year we get. I heard 70, 70 days of pure sunshine in central Pennsylvania. Um, so maybe it's similar. Tell us how it compares. What's your climate like? A little similar. So the joke in Portland is summer starts on July 5th, uh, meaning that's when you can really anticipate it, that it's summer. Uh, that's sort of the, the insider. If you live in Portland, you know that. Um, it starts warming up around end of May, June, you know, and our summers are lovely. Our summers are, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s. We get gotten into 100. That only is like a couple days a year. Um, and then that usually lasts till starting. We're just starting to see the little sort of when you know the winter's coming. So and generally by the end of October is when you're wearing your you're starting putting your layers on. Yeah, except for those freak days. It sounds a lot like our climate. It's kind of right now is my favorite time, actually, right when it yeah. turns into fall before all the leaves fall down, whenever when the, the forests are still lush and, and you can't see through them. That's this is when I like it the most. Absolutely. Is it humid? We're we're really humid here. We have lots of moisture from all the rain and everything. Um, what's it like there? You know, it's not really humid. Considering how much rain we have, I don't find it to be super humid. And I moved here from Arizona. So I don't find it to be super humid. Some days, like those late summer days in the late afternoon, it can get a little sticky, but not horribly. And does it snow? Does it? I know you, you mentioned skiing and mountains, and obviously we know it's a pretty outdoorsy place. Does it snow everywhere? Are there certain pockets that it doesn't snow? Or I guess we're talking about Portland City. Um, does it snow there a lot? So Portland proper, we generally get maybe four days to a week of snow every year. Um, and that's when it's pretty bad. I can't, I, I think we only had three days this year. The funny thing is, is that 
when you're here, the whole city shuts down. Like I have friends in other parts of town and like, you know, we have snow days and I have like friends that are from other, other states and stuff. And they're like, what? Like, this is a Minnesota beautiful day, you know? <laughs> if no. any Canadian people from Clubhouse are watching, they're <laughs> like, get, we go to five feet of snow. Everybody has a four wheeler. The whole ta town shuts down. The grocery stores are barren. It's, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's silly to me, but, um, did you find that we're, we're somewhat similar. We get some snow, but not a ton of snow and we're kind of used to it. And we have plows and salting machines and everything. We're ready for it, but still it doesn't take too much to cause a two hour delay or a, a cancellation for school or something. But now because of COVID, because they got all the virtual stuff now, there are no snow days for school. So what's it like there with snow days for school? Do they have snow days or do they go home and do and, and you could talk to our kids in school also, maybe, while you're um, telling us about that. Well, when it's not during COVID times, they do have snow days. And that's why a lot of the parents that are from the Midwest are like, what? I went to school and stuff like this. Uh, yeah. But during COVID, no, they didn't have snow days. Uh, and the teachers were pretty bummed and the parents were pretty bummed and the kids were pretty bummed. But yeah, not during COVID. Kids have just started going back to school here, masked, with masks. I want to say like the past couple of weeks, they've started going back to school. Okay. So pretty much all of last year, you guys were out of school. Yeah. 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 And we're, I, I think it's a shame. I, frankly, I, I might take, make an executive decision as a parent to have a snow day, even if they get sent home and we're supposed to go to virtual classes. I might just, we're going tubing or whatever. Cause exactly. I think it's kind of, it's kind of BS because I would I love snow days. I look forward to them. You're watching. At least they don't have to watch the thing. I don't know about we're out there. You had to listen to the radio and they would call off all the schools. And if you stopped listening for 30 seconds and missed your your window, you had to sit there and wait for an hour for them to call it all the way back around. Uh, yep, You watch them on the bottom of the TV as a ticker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or that totally. <laughs> We didn't have TVs in every single room as yeah. big as the freaking wall either, though. We had to go to the special room to watch the thing. Okay, so we have a climate somewhat similar to Pennsylvania, it sounds like. Uh, overcast, some rain, but also sunny. It doesn't get super hot, doesn't get uh, super cold, not a ton of snow, but you do have access to snow sports and that kind of thing. Um, so pretty similar, it sounds like. Um, so what about the landscape? We talked about the mountains and the outdoorsiness and the, the largest park within city limits that you have there. What's the landscape? What does it look like when you're driving around? That kind of thing. So it's really green. You know, one of the benefits of all the snow, or excuse me, of all the rain is it's just incredibly green. Again, people come here from other states and they're just blown away by how much greenery there are, you know, deciduous trees, uh, native trees, just everywhere. You know, our parks are, are fully green parks. Um, the topography is pretty flat for the most part. We do have some areas that are up on like bluffs. We actually have a dormant volcano in the city limits um, that's been dormant forever called, called Rocky Butte. I think that's what it's called. Um, but for the most part, it's pretty flat unless you're in the mountains or headed. If you're on the west side, it's called the where the houses are on the west side. Again, across the Willamette River is called the west hills so they're all kind of up on a hill 
Gotcha. And Portland, for those that don't know geography, and I didn't, I had to look it up, frankly, to see where exactly it was. It's in like the upper northwest corner, almost in Washington. You're on the board. Like, do you even, some, some realtors up there even do like Seattle too or something? Well, so I do not, but my partner does. So like, for example, my house is literally 15 minutes to Vancouver, Washington, which is also a really nice up and coming area. Um, it's a little bit cheaper than Portland. So oftentimes if people are, are moving here, uh, you know, they, they've maybe been priced out of Portland proper. So they go to Vancouver, Washington. It's a great little town. It's it's across the uh, Columbia River. It's across another river. Um, and it's a lot cheaper there. One of the benefits of Portland, though, is we don't have sales tax. So a lot of people want to be in Portland. Uh, the downside of that is that our property taxes and things like that are considered high by a lot of people um but living in Vancouver, what would while we're on that what would pro property taxes on i don't know what's your average sale price there uh our average sale price is like 560 right now that's gone up in the past year um you know the way portland process the processes their taxes is very strange back in the 90s they actually capped the taxes. So if you haven't sold your home since the 90s, you're still paying those taxes. So where that comes into play, which is a little, jet stop, which is a little weird, is that there's some people who bought their houses, say, 30, 40 years ago in these neighborhoods that were maybe run down now, but are now considered some of the most amazing houses in Portland, you know, and they're paying $4,000 a year in, in property taxes. That's it. So, but I would say, you know, if you're Which is around what it would be here probably for, well, maybe five, six. Yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'd say like seven or eight is, is about the, on a $500,000 house, you know, and there's, yeah. there's a lot of variables that, that no one is ever really clear. We have weird taxes here. No one's ever really clear on why your neighbor's house might be lower or even block to block. So, yeah. And you guys, marijuana is, this wasn't one of the topics I was bringing up, but we're talking about taxes and marijuana is a big uh, income producer for, for everyone, especially the, the States. Um, does that, did that offset any of these taxes you're talking about? Did the sales tax go away because of this? Or was that always a thing? We've never had sales tax. Um, I mean, not as far as I know. Um, and the the money from the marijuana is, I believe it's it's subsidizing schools and things. I believe it's sort of slowly being rolled out because it's new. So we haven't necessarily noticed any like tax cuts or things. Um, plus, I think that it's been during COVID. So a lot of the, you know, a lot of supporting the police force and supporting all that are all over budget parks is, is has budgetary problems as most cities do. Um, the interesting thing about the legalization of marijuana here is when Portland started to do it, they really took it seriously. They watched what Washington did, uh, Washington state did, they watched what Colorado did, and they really made sure that they didn't make the same mistakes. So they went into it very carefully, very methodically. Um, and the 
the way that Portland presents it is they truly want to get it off the street so it's not a street drug, so it's safer for everybody. Um, so they, they actually made it cheap enough that you can go to a dispensary and buy it rather than having to go down a back street to buy it. You know, and it's pretty open here. You know, I don't smoke myself, but I certainly have friends and clients that do. Um, some of the pot shops here are beautiful. They look like candy stores, you know, and they're very well run and they're very safe. Um, it's Talk just about crunchy. There are some, some crunchy yeah. people yeah. that do that stuff that know all about it. And I mean, yeah. who has time to know that much about it? No, no, I don't remember since high school. So. <laughs> Yeah, so it sounds like you're kind of in a, a valley or, or where Portland sits is actually kind of flat and then you can drive a little bit to get to all kinds of mountains out there. Um, yes. And if you drive far enough, you can get to some really, really awesome places. But it's also pretty close to the coast, right? How far is how long a drive is it to the coast? Um, and are there beaches? Absolutely. So the whole Oregon coast um, is, you know, we, some that people might have heard of is Lincoln City, Pacific City. Uh, they're going to escape me now, but about an hour and a half away and all the way down the coast, you can go down to Bandon Dunes, which is uh, an amazing, like world-class golf course. Um, Seaside Oregon is another one. They all sort of have their own little personalities. So generally people here, you know, they, they kind of pick their favorite spot. Mine happens to be Manzanita, which is about an hour and a half from where I live in Northeast Portland. Um, and yeah, you could camp on the beaches, not publicly camp on the beaches, but there's campsites, there's, uh, you know, places, hotels, all that. The funny thing about our coast is it's not like the coast of California. Like, like we call it the coast. We don't call it the beach because you're not throwing on your bikini and your sunscreen and going and laying out in the sun. Like I've never been in the water at the Oregon coast ever because oh. it's freezing. Okay. So ah, if you're gonna, so is there yeah, surfing? People surf. People surf, but they have their wetsuits on. <laughs> yeah, and you did say surfing, duh. Yeah, okay. So the people that really are hardcore want to do it, but it's not really a beach town. So I was going to equate it to we have like the Jersey Shore or yes. Ocean City, Maryland. That's where everybody from here and like from the Philly and everybody goes to the Jersey Shore. Um, so I would kind of equate it to that. You just it's in the same state and it's colder apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fishing, a lot of fishing, fishing good seafood. Yes. We have world-class salmon here um, up in the Hood Canal. We have oysters, clams. That's actually a really fun activity. You take the family, you go dig for clams, razor clams, oysters. Uh, they open up the seasons, you know, uh, every year. It's almost becoming clam season. And you go camping. I grew up doing this in California. Uh, when I was a kid and, and they do it here too, you know, and you just go dig the clams and you get your limit and then take it back to the campsite oh. and cook them up. And we have wonderful salmon too. We're known for our salmon. So is that one of the big industries fishing? The next question is actually, this is a perfect segue is what are the industries and, and the main employers that, that keep the city going? Um, and tell us about the capital is, I'm going to play dumb and say, is Portland the capital of Oregon or where is the capital? Where's the state government? What are the industries? Tell us all that stuff. Yeah. Salem is the capital of Oregon. It's about an hour and a half away. Um, our big industries, fishing, not necessarily a big industry. Um, there is some crabbing, some fishing. That's a little bit more up towards Seattle. 
But we have Nike here. You know, Nike headquarters is here. Adidas is here. We have tons of tech here. We also have huge creative here. Um, film industry is slowly moving in. Um, what else? Uh, you know, the music scene here is good. But I would say primarily kind of tech. Huh. And you mentioned Nike and Adidas. Those kind of stuck out to me. Um, yep. Is there Was one of those just started there or did they move there? Is the reason they're both there? Or is that just happenstance that these both two of the biggest well, sports apparel companies in the world are, are there? So Nike actually started here, um, started by Phil Knight, who was making tennis shoes for uh, Steve Prefontaine, who was running track at U of A. Don't quote. Don't get mad at me, people. If if that's the school's not right, either U of A or or. Um, but so Phil Knight made these shoes out of a waffle maker, put them together, and I want to say they were called Blue Star Sports first, and then he changed the name of Nike and thus changed the athletic. Oh yeah, world. don't don't you have like the best? Is Oregon State? Football, I'm not a sports person, but doesn't Oregon and State's football team have like the best uniforms and they have like a different uniform every time and they're the coolest uniforms? Isn't that why? Yes, because they're sponsored by Nike. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every time, like I said, I do not watch, but they have cool colors and their uniforms are like different every time. And they're always yeah. really cool or have a different texture or print on them or something. So exactly. that's cool. And then Adidas, how did Adidas end up there? I do not know the story about Adidas. I don't think they're from here because I think they're, I don't even think they're from the U.S. Somebody- Maybe they like, moved there to, they Burger king to Nike. They, maybe. Burger King will just, they wait till, they don't do any research. They just wait till McDonald's does the research, opens up a place, and then they go across the corner and open up a place doing the same thing. So maybe they Burger King them and said they're exactly. good employees there. There must be good employees in Oregon and a lot of tech people. Um, a lot of that's probably online now, so it's probably very techy. Is there a lot of distribution there? There is. Uh, there is. Um, they bring in cars, they bring in grain, they bring in oil. Um, and I just know this because my best friend actually drives a train. She's a train engineer. Um, so she gets them off the port and they put them on her train. Um, but yeah, through the port of Portland, it's not huge. They, it's, it's calmed down a lot because of just the damage to the environment. So I think Portland is sort of trying to tamper that down. Um, but you know, the city was built on logging. The city, city of Portland was built as a logging industry. Um, many of our old big, huge mansions and gorgeous mansions were lumber barons. So, and a lot of the streets were named after the lumber people. So that was, you know, and we, our nickname is Stumptown. So huh. that's, that's where was the lumber going? Do you know, was it all over? They send it somewhere else, everywhere. Just good lumber there to send across the country yeah. to build stuff. It's the big, huge trees. So just sending it everywhere. Yeah, that's awesome. And then tech, are there, is it, does Amazon have a headquarters there or Tesla or what, what tech companies um, are there? They all have shops and stores and Amazon has, has a couple hubs. Intel has a big campus here, um, a big, big campus here. Um, you know, many of these big companies, they have huge campuses and that are miles and miles long. And, you know, they have everything that, that the employees will need. You know, they have tracks, they have gyms, they have restaurants, they have food, they have 
uh, disc golf courses, things like that. They just really want to make people stay on the campus. Yeah, so they can pay them as less. <laughs> we talk about pay them less and have. I feel like every friend I had that worked at an ad agency there seemed to be notorious for this. Every ad agency is really awesome, and we got like a beer fridge, and we can have beer whenever we want to, and there's a pool table and a ping pong table. But oh, I can't go out this weekend because I got to work all night long, and I'm not going to get overtime, and I get paid peanuts for it, and and the few exactly. people at the top are making a ton of money. So yeah, that's funny. Um, and you mentioned creatives also. A lot of creatives there, which makes sense with everybody's kind of vision of Portland, probably the, the hipster image and the and creative type of person. Um, do you see in the creative types? Are there a lot of like transient and virtual workers? Are you seeing some of those people that are moving in? Are those the creatives or the virtual workers that are moving in there? Portland's always been creatives. As long as I've been here, it's really just built on it's sort of when I got here 20 years ago, it was sort of built on the the escapees from the other big cities, you know, and they just didn't want to live the life of like LA, you know, for example, when I got here, you could rent an apartment for 400 bucks and have three jobs at a coffee shop. And, you know, and it was fun because we were all just young and everybody was just kind of doing their things. And there's lots of bars and lots of nightlife, lots of bands from here. Um, but now the creatives are coming in, you know, we have a lot of art galleries, uh, Portland Art Museum is world class. They get a lot of the big exhibits. Uh, but the creatives come in, I think, in the form of music and a lot of, and in the form of the filmmaking. Also, a lot of uh, sort of like film music, people who make music for films. Or I even know people that like they do the sound for The Simpsons and stuff like that. Like just kind of weird jobs that I wouldn't really think was a job, but obviously somebody has to do it. Yeah, I actually did an episode a while ago with uh, they grow CBD here in central Pennsylvania, but one of the owners lives in California or somewhere, LA, I think maybe. And he does like scoring for random things like a CSI episode and Simpsons and you know, all these random things and movies yeah. and things. So it's, it's crazy what, what people, what you can do with a, a creative type of job. Um, yeah. So you mentioned there about your first job or, or one of the jobs you had there was a coffee shop. Did you live close to that? What's the commute like? What's the travel like out there? What can people expect? I mentioned a 26 minute, I think mean, that's what the stat said, 26 minute commute. But what's, what's, the traffic light there is what it boils down to probably. So, you know, the thing is we have so many micro neighborhoods, you know, I can, I can think of 25 just off the top of my head. Portland is divided into quadrants. So we have Northeast, Southeast, Northwest, Southwest, and people are pretty ride or die for their quadrant. Like I am a ride or die Northeast Portland person. I used to be a ride or die Southeast person, but now I'm ride or die Northeast. And, you know, a lot of people have their jobs that are sort of in their quadrant. A lot of people here are working from home or frankly, they walk or ride their bikes to their work. You know, uh, a lot of the big office buildings are downtown. Like say, if you just work in insurance or to bank. Do they, sorry, <laughs> when, when you say ride a bike, the only thing I can think of is uh, somebody <laughs> wearing like a steampunk hat and outfit with a big beard and riding one of those bikes with the giant wheel and the tiny wheel just because I want to be crunchy about it. That happens here. Yes. Yes, that does happen. But you know, the thing about riding bikes here, I don't personally ride a bike during the rain, but 
the thing about Portland is if you if you don't do stuff in the rain, you're not going to do stuff in the rain. You know, like like kids in their soccer, if they don't play in the rain, then they're not going to play. <laughs> you know, so you just learn to do what you want to do in the rain. Right. And you sometimes adapt to like, if I don't do anything in the rain, then I'm never going to do anything. So some things you just got to get wet. And that's what it is. That's what it is. But a secret, I told you this before, true Portlanders do not use umbrellas. And if you're here and you're using an umbrella, we can spot you. Yeah. We just don't yeah. do it's it. It's the same here. I think I never thought about it, but I think it's the same here. I never, well, I I'm going to get this out to, uh, yeah. I don't even have one. I have one in my car for like if I have out of town clients, that's it. I have one in my car for sun. Yeah, yeah yes. <laughs> I'm the guy at the beach with a hat on, a buff on covering my neck, a long sleeve shirt on. I don't even need sunscreen for the most part because I'm covered up. I'm not a I fan of the sun. I didn't used to be, but the older I get, I am now. <laughs> yeah, I got enough moles on my back. I don't have time to be hot because I'm burnt and peel and yeah. <laughs> and I could care less about being tan anymore. So uh, what is there to do? We talked about surfing. We talked about um, some of the, the crunchy, the restaurants and the food scene obviously is pretty awesome there. What else is there to do? Uh, hiking, tons of hiking, that forest park that we talked about that they have tons of hiking trails there. Um, there's bike trails that go all across the city. Like you could literally get on bike trails all the way you know from one part of the city to the next um we ha have the river so a lot of people are boating in the summertime uh we have one of the world's largest naked bike rides uh <laughs> and i saw that in a video also when i was uh doing research <laughs> one time actually i sold a house to a guy and the naked bike ride it was his house was right behind a park and the naked bike ride had started at the park and he called me and he's like he's well he actually sent me a video text he said this is what's going on in our backyard luckily he thought it was super funny but like the staging area so there was thousands of naked people in his backyard that's <laughs> portland he laughed i was a, yeah totally i was gonna say it's me being a digital marketer and social media person that's social media gold but it's actually not because it's going to get flagged and going to get booted. So it's yeah. kind of, it's this awesome thing that you can't even tell people you're seeing or witnessing or whatever. So what else is there? You got food, you got skiing and outdoors and hiking and mountain biking. Is there anything to do there that we might not think that there is to do there? Huh. Um, like here, the people wouldn't think of rock climbing, but our area is, huge on rock climbing and bouldering and a, a huge scene for that. So something like yeah, that, maybe there is, you know, there is a lot of, um, in Eastern Oregon, they do a lot of bouldering that you do that, right? I do. Called, yeah, right? yeah. There's a lot of that in, uh, Eastern Oregon, a town called Joseph. Um, people play a lot of disc golf here. It's kind of a hippie thing. Um, they take it very seriously here. We have, uh, every year we have an adult soapbox derby that starts, uh, people build these really incredible cars. They spend months and months and months, and then they take them up to the top of a big, big, big hill and run them down. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's actually, it's coming up. Uh, we have a lot of street fairs, a lot of street festivals, um, downtown in an area called the Pearl District, which is sort of the, um, 
the downtown with the condos and, you know, more like it would be living in New York, I guess. But they have an uh, first Thursday, they have an art night, an art walk every first Thursday of the month. Um, so there's just a lot of things like that. In the summertime, we have tons of concerts in the park. Uh, we have a, a big float regatta. It's called the it's called the big float. People float down the Willamette River in inner tubes or whatever kind of crazy boat they've made. It's really kind of like people really get into these kind of funny, funky things. For a while, we had one of the highlights of summer was they did um, it was called Star Wars in the park. And they would reenact Star Wars shows um, like with live action people. And it was kind of funny, you know, like the troubles with triples. And they would have all these like little stuffed animals and stuff. And it was super fun. It ran all summer. It was just such a, a fun, funky thing to do. And the nice thing about Portland is when you go to these things, people have their kids, people have their dogs, people bring their ice chests. It's, it's just really kind of kid friendly, dog friendly single friendly it's pretty open to everybody yeah every i thought i'm glad you mentioned the kids because the whole time we haven't talked about families or raising kids or that kind of environment but everything with it you've said so far everything sounds like it's it'd be great for kids building like soapbox derby type things and building these things all year that's all things you could do with your family or your kids or a group of friends or whatever so the the community aspect of it is awesome um what are I can't ask about schools. Can't, I'm not going to ask about schools there. Uh, people can look up the schools on greatschools.com, right? Uh, yes. Do people? And here's a question I can ask. Some regions, people do go to the public schools, and some places they tend to all go to private school. What's it like there? So we have a little bit of a mix. Portland Public School for the past few years has sort of, they've had budgetary issues and, and change of staff and things. The schools are getting better. The interesting thing about the schools here is that some of the schools in the more expensive neighborhoods, the schools don't rank really high on the on the on like great schools. And I've been told that it's because many of the parents are pulling their children out of the standardized testing, you know? So and that to me that makes sense. Um, so there, the, you'll, you'll often see a lot of parents at the schools. The parents are always really involved. Most of them have community gardens. Uh, most of them do, you know, have things where they go out into the community. Again, very forward thinking. Um, and the nice thing is, is that people in Portland realize that even though the school is not so good when you move into a neighborhood, if you put your kid in a private school, you're not helping the school. So a lot of people are very conscientious of that and will keep their kid in the school, meanwhile try and make the school better, which to me, that's that's what it should be. You know, if all the kids are going to private school, then you're just segregating everybody. Um, right, and obviously then the school's definitely gonna fail. It's, it's exactly. you need, I mean, they're still getting the money, I suppose, but uh, yeah, you need everybody to participate and parents and, and the activity of the parents, I always believe is is the biggest part of it. The school could be rated a zero, and if the parents are really awesome, that child is probably gonna succeed. So a lot has, has to do with that. How does it work here with school districts? 
you know, there's a Harrisburg city and then outside the city limits, there are, you know, a lot of different school districts. Our class sizes in the different schools range from 100 kids per class up to the biggest ones, probably like 1,200-ish. How do the class sizes and how are they split up? Is it one giant school that's all of Portland and the greater Portland area or what? No, Portland proper, uh, just off the top of my head, I know of 12 that I can name. And I used to be a teacher, so I'm, I'm very familiar with all the schools um, and did teaching in most of them. Um, so every sort of, again, every micro neighborhood has its school. Um, and a lot of these micro neighborhoods are kind of built around the schools. And I often have clients that come from out of town and they want to be, or I help them figure out what school is a good fit for them. So oftentimes we're reverse engineering. Like, what are you looking for for your student? Maybe do they have special needs? Maybe are they a creative? Um, so a lot of times we're reverse engineering, trying to find them in the neighborhood, trying to find the school first, then find the house. Yeah, totally. Because here, the that 1,200 per class, that's huge district. They've got tons of resources. They probably score yeah. way up there on the great schools because they check every box, exactly. but you're a small fish in a big pond. Maybe you don't want that, or maybe you do want that. If you want to play sports, you probably don't want that because you got to be like the best in the state to play at that school, but they do have all the resources and the great programs for special needs and that kind of thing. Whereas uh, the opposite school, which would be in like a little hoity toity neighborhood that I won't mention, um, that school's so small that they don't even have a cafeteria. Everybody leaves the junior high. Everybody leaves at lunch and then yeah. goes back and they almost call it the high taxes are worth it because you're going to a little private school. Um, yeah. So it varies here a little bit too. So what would you say is your area is known for? So here in Harrisburg, we're known for Hershey's chocolate. That's a good one that I always bring up that nobody knows what Harrisburg is or where it is, but we're the snack capital of the world. And Hershey's chocolate is 20 minutes from where I am right now and part of central PA that I would call it. So what, what would you guys be known for other than Nike? We talked about Nike. Is there anything else other than, I don't know if you can beat Nike. Well, rain, of course, but voodoo donuts, who a lot of people have heard of, uh, salt and straw ice cream was started here. Uh, and you might not know of all these because these are kind of all West Coast things. Um, Stumptown, which is a really big coffee company, was created here. Uh, I'm trying to think of bands that people would know. The Decemberists are from here. Modest Mouse is from here. Uh, a band called Everclear was from here. Uh, Fred Armisen. Yeah, yeah, all those guys. Well, Carrie, you know, was in Sweeter Kinney. Right. Um, yeah. So they're from here. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of sportswear. Oh, Columbia Sportswear is here, too. They make, you know, I think they make Patagonia. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, I think so. So sportswear, uh, you know, we don't have major league. We, our soccer team is good. We don't have baseball. They've been talking about baseball. We don't have football. Um, but our soccer team is good and our women's soccer team is really good. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's not something you hear every day. Is there a stadium where, what is there? Yeah. Is there a stadium? Where would everybody go to see a big concert? Like in here, Hershey park, Hershey has the giant stadium, which is where all the, the 
basketball state championships are played or at least the district ones around here and then any big concerts are held there where would people go to see that kind of stuff no, I totally forgot. We have the Portland Trailblazers. I can't believe I forgot. We have the Trailblazers. I know you do. That's why I asked the question. Yes. Um, you were leading me there, weren't you? Um, so they play at the Moda Center, and it's actually right in um, – it's really close to everything, you know, and you can take – we have the Max train, which is a public transportation. We have really good public transportation here, so a lot of people don't drive. You know, many people moving here don't even have cars. Um so they either drive or take the max uh, or carpool. But most concerts, most big concerts and things are at the Motor Center. We also have a lot of uh, sort of surrounding outdoor venues for concerts, open air. And we have a soccer field. We have a new soccer field now. I can't remember what it's called, but that's about seven years now. So, and that's downtown. That's on the west side. That's awesome. You always need a place. I know some areas you'll, you're never, you're going to have to drive two or three hours just to get to, if you want to see Justin Bieber in concert, well, guess yeah. what? There's no big giant stadium near you. So you're not going to see that. So it's yeah. nice to have that close to you and you can get to that. And it sounds like you can get to pretty much, it's kind of like California or what people or what I picture is cat. You can get a, and here in central Pennsylvania, actually too, you can get to the beach all within a couple hours. You can get really good beach stuff. You can get really good skiing. You can get snow, you can get sun, all these things kind of within a couple hours reach. And a lot of times within 20, 30 minutes reach uh, right there. So before we close it out and this is going longer than I planned. So I'm going to dial it back or, or maybe they'll just be hour episodes, whatever. Um, so, what everybody needs to know if they're going to move out there is what are they going to get for their money? So the average price here, we talked about it a little bit, but um, you're at two two fifty is kind of the the average uh, entry level house here um, or average sale price here. What are you looking at out there? What would you get for say two fifty there? So for two fifty, you're going to be looking at a condo. Um, you know, a cute condo, it maybe be like a student condo or like a young person's condo in the, um, in, you know, you could get one in a nice neighborhood or, you know, like a studio condo, you could get one downtown for that. Um, so by condo, let's stop there real quick and unpack it. Cause people are going to uh, uh, picture a, an apartment for sale, which might yeah. be what you're talking about, but yeah. you're actually talking about like a condo that people would picture, not a townhouse. No. Well, you might have a townhouse too. Um, you know, it will be small. Um, if you have 250, you'd have to go probably, you'd definitely have to go outside the city limits to get a house. Um, probably about an hour, um, but still doable, you know, and, and out there you're sort of dealing with rural areas, which is nice because you can get USDA loans in some of those rural areas, you know, and, and actually a lot of people from Portland are, are moving out, out, to the outskirts of Portland to get more land just from COVID. Sure. Um, What's, what are wells like there? I just, I was, water is becoming an issue everywhere. And I was thinking about it earlier today for some reason. I know in PA we're kind of special because there are no limits kind of, you have to get a, a, a certification or a, approved from the township, but they don't really limit how much water or whether you can dig a well or not dig a well. It's pretty much as long as you're not messing anything up with the environment and it pumps enough, you can take as much water as you want. How does it work out there? I don't sell a lot out there. I've only sold four houses with a well. So I don't, think there's any we have a lot of water you know that's the thing we have a lot of water <laughs> yeah. um, and our water table is quite high in many areas of Portland so and even the outskirts 
So I don't think there's probably well issues. We have been seeing um, wells that have maybe like E. coli and things. So we definitely have to do well tests. We still, in those rural areas, we still see septics and we still see uh, cesspools or cess fields. Um, you know, people just deal with that if that's the lifestyle you want. If you want to live in Green Acres, you got to have a cesspool, you know? <laughs> That's the way people look at it. <laughs> yeah, totally. So then it sounds like for for to live closer into town, um, you mentioned a 500-ish price range to get kind of that white picket fence kind of entry-level house. Is is that what we're talking about for the 500000 Absolutely. And it sort of goes by neighborhoods. So I'm just going to pick um, my neighborhood is Alberta. It's called the Alberta Arts District. It's, um, you know, there's galleries and restaurants and coffee shops a block from my house. Um, so just for an example, I bought my house for $160,000 17 years ago. It's now worth five fifty. So, But when I bought it, nobody wanted to live in this neighborhood. <laughs> and it was all that I could afford. So, um, But since now, a lot of the artists and a lot of the people have been moving in, it's really become a viable neighborhood and a vibrant neighborhood. So in, I would say we call it inner Southeast or inner Northeast, which is close to the river, um, you know, by maybe our streets are, it's on a grid again. So the river starts at seventh street and then it goes all the way up to like 60th street is I, is what I consider inner Northeast Portland, Southeast Portland. So pretty much you want to count on about $500,000 and that'll get you a, depending on the neighborhood, it could get you a three, two, three bedroom, two bath, single family home with a nice yard. You know, it'll generally be an older home, probably 1910s, 1920s with a basement, uh, decent size yard. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm and, glad and, you mentioned that. I was just about to ask because a lot of times out west stuff is tends to be newer because it's just it was settled later than here. So yeah. it, I was going to ask. So downtown, you are same as here. It's kind of that 1900 through 1930 ish kind of construction, a lot of brick yeah. and stone, and you do have basements there. We do, like we yep. have. Okay, and people are really, really maximizing basement space here. Um, they when I sell a house to people. I have the conversation with them what it is like to build out your basement to create more living space. I mean, because oftentimes you can double the size of your house, you know, and, and if you put an egress window in, uh, fur out the walls, you might as well be using that space. They make great offices, kids' rooms, uh, you know, movie rooms, or when guests come to stay. Another thing that tons of people are doing is they rent them out on Airbnb. As an as an ADU, which is an accessory dwelling unit, so I mean that's that's a prime way to essentially make two houses and, and pay your mortgage on that Airbnb or ADU. I'm sorry. For sure. I actually, I just relocated somebody from California and where they came from, they don't have basements, but he had this big workshop outbuilding that he needed to replace, but nothing in the price range, yada, yada, would work to have an outbuilding because of township codes or whatever. Um, and I kept saying, you have a whole basement, you have the same foot, you have 2000 square feet. <laughs> of basement that's most of us here in, in Pennsylvania, we got our workshops in the base, unless you're doing really serious and got to go outside, but he wasn't, you could, he could do what he did down there in a, in 
500 square feet. So the basement can work out for a lot of stuff. Kind of sucks when we have hurricanes like we had the other day. But um, yeah, I'm a big fan of, of, of basements. And we are four minutes and we have to end by 59 minutes so I can upload it to IG because they'll cut it off at 60 minutes. So we're going to go to the last question. You can answer in a minute or two. Um, and this has nothing to do with Portland, Oregon or anything. Um, if you could do any other profession, what would it be? So my other podcast, I always end with a random question that I Google and they pick a number between one and whatever, but I'm changing it to this. So now we're doing this. I would be an animal rescuer. I would get a big farm and rescue animals uh, from horrendous puppy mills, all of it. Um, that's what I would do. That's what would make my heart happy. And you have pets. I think I saw in your, I yeah. Do. That's my rescue jet. I support a lot of rescue here. That's kind of my, that's where my heart lives is in with rescue animals. Um, and there's a lot of that here. Just as a side note, Portland's uh, Humane Society has a 97% rate that they adopt out, which is huge. It's one of the biggest in the country, meaning that they, they wow. put very few dogs down. That's awesome. Yeah. And does it mean they just you're good at placing them or, or yeah. and people here people here adopt. You know, they they, they don't want to go to a, a dog shop. We don't even have dog shops. Like I part of the crunchiness. It's probably looked down upon if you bought at a puppy mill outside of town from the Amish people like we all do. Sorry, Amish people, but whoever breeds them out there. They, and then, yeah. And I've actually had a dog from a breeder before. It was a great dog, but uh, had I do it over again, I would take any old mutt from the pound that would be yep. pretty awesome. Um, all right, sweet. So we will close it out. Thanks for being with us. I'm going to put your info up here. What do we got? Three minutes. I'm going to say it aloud for anybody that's listening later. You can contact Jen. Her phone number is 503-309-9038. And you can reach her at jennifer at jennifermaybree.com. And jennifermaybree.com is her website. And her phone number one more time is 503-309-9038. And I'm going to leave her information uh, scrolling there at the bottom for anybody while I close out the show. What do I got? Like, 30 seconds or something left. So yeah, contact me if you need to buy or sell a home or if you're moving to Portland, Oregon, more importantly, call me to sell your house and I'll send you over to Jen and she'll help you find something there and pick out the perfect neighborhood. Or if you're even kind of up to that Seattle or around there, she could definitely guide you anywhere in that uh, area, I think. So reach out to me if you need to do anything. Like I said, the market is still hot for sellers. Text me, email me, throw a rock through my window, send a carrier pigeon, whatever you need to do. And I was just watching YouTube videos actually on for Portland and the one YouTube guy that has YouTube videos for there. He says the, the carrier pigeon thing and he has these two little carrier pigeons fly. So I, if he ever watches this, I want him to know that I've been saying that for a while before I saw him say it. So anyway, reach out to me if you need to buy or sell a house. Uh, thanks for listening and watching and thank you so much for being here, Jen. This is the first episode of this show. Uh, I felt a little bit off my game, but I appreciate you bearing with me and thanks a lot for being an awesome guest. This was my first ever online podcast, online interview. So thank you for, for helping me through. Awesome. And here I do see one comment, or at least the comment I can see is Connie and she gives some claps and Connie has signed up for an episode. So she knows what to expect. Now she's going to help us one of our Canadian friends. So hello, Connie. Uh, and goodbye, Connie. Say goodbye to everybody, Jen. Thank you.